here for the one you love. This is the Kill by Kill Valentine's Day special. My Bloody Valentine 1981. Greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal Patrick Hamilton coming to you from Valentine's Bluff. Or as close to it as I could possibly get, considering I don't know where the fuck that is. And this is the Kill by Kill podcast, where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. We're going to unpack all the gory details of my bloody Valentine in the hopes that a miner's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make about them, and is always the only person that I trust to guide me through the underground lair of that horrible Harry is the one and only... Gina Radcliffe. How you doing, Gina? Happy Valentine's Day, Patrick. Here's some Happy candy. Valentine's Day. It's all coconut covered. Ooh. <laughs> oh, yay. We all coconut. know everyone loves, everyone loves chocolate covered coconut. <laughs> That's right. It's the texture that keeps on giving when you tell it to stop. It's Valentine's Day, y'all. We made it. Well, we hope we made it. This is two weeks before this is going to go up, so hopefully we'll still be around listening to this by then. Yeah, anything could happen between now and then, let's, let's face it. But uh, let's think positive. Let's, let's open the circle of love to the only person that I could ask to be here for this very special Valentine's edition. That is the love of my life. She is one half owner of We Write Good. She is a writer. She is a performer. And she is one seriously hot mama. It is Becky Wilson. How are you, Becky? Hello. Are you excited to finally grace the Kill by Kill podcast after hearing me whine and complain <laughs> and talk endlessly about it for nearly a year? I'm very excited I made the cut uh, tonight. <laughs> I appreciate that. And I'm more excited, however, to meet... I mean, some people have a work wife. You have a slasher wife. I'm so excited to meet Gina because in the last year, the amount of times I've had to listen to Patrick wax poetic about horror films has been greatly reduced because you hear it all, Gina. Thank you. Well, I do what I can. (laughs) And uh, as you might have surmised, uh, we're doing a special edition. We're not talking about Friday the 13th uh, this time. We have picked up the other Paramount would-be franchise that never went anywhere, My Bloody Valentine. It's a Canucksploitation flick filmed in 1980, released in 1981, and it is... It is a it is a motion picture. I mean, it is a series of of individual photographs that flicker on screen at twenty four frames per second mm-hmm. to give the illusion of movement. I'll give it that. It might be the most Canadianist of Canadian slasher flicks. I mean, there were a couple. It was there was a Happy Birthday to Me. There yes. was a Prom Night. Mm-hmm. But this one really just just it bathes in its Canadianness. It's like they they might as well have covered everything in in maple syrup. They're just it is proudly. <laughs> boldly canadian this uh this film is about 51 percent moosehead beer and everyone speaks in a cacophony of dialects yes that... when it started i said patrick is everyone irish in that shower scene <laughs> <laughs> and then i realized no canadian because then you start hearing the stories the many stories and then you got um, the ostensible hero TJ, who sort of sounds a little bit Brooklyn, which is which yeah, doesn't yeah, really. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's got a little bit of a Vinnie yeah. Barbarino thing going on by way of Nova Scotia. Uh, yeah, he's got a very very interesting 
thing going on. Several of the cast members have difficulty talking past their teeth. There's just like a lot of people barely making it past those canines to <laughs> pronounce individual words. Well, let's, let's get into this. Now, obviously, we're going to break our format a little bit. We're not going character by character. That would probably take us hours, as it does for a regular Friday the 13th film. We're going to go through and, and give you some various highlights along the way, and we're also going to denote the major characters. Well, let's talk about the first scene in this. The in which, cold open? The cold open. It's cold. <laughs> It's cold. It involves a, a, a woman revealing a tattoo that looks like it was drawn on with a Sharpie. That's what I said. It's like one of those temporary tattoos from a birthday party. Like from a kid's minutes birthday before party. minutes before shooting began. It's like, oh, well, we better give her something that drives this guy into a murderous rage. And apparently it's it's hearts. It's just yes. basically like, yeah. like heart, anything heart shaped just sends him into a, a blood pouring from his eyes, you know, murder, kill, death rage. Yeah, it is. Uh, up until that point, he seems, well, not so much keeping it together because we get the sort of heavy breathing a la Darth Vader thing going on because he's got that stupid miner's mask with the dark lenses on it. <laughs> like, like he's a Hollywood in the 70s and a miner. <laughs> and uh, she begins to stroke his yes, air hose. Very sensuous air hose stroking. <laughs> Is she trying to get that hard? I don't think that's how that works. Right? Well, you know, you know, we've been there, done that in our role play, Patrick. <laughs> the old gas mask. I really didn't want Girl that in to a come bad out. White bra. <laughs> Yeah. Well, there's the women in this uh, in this town seem to get aroused by miners and mining equipment because there's at least three scenes of women taking men down into the mine shafts, if yes. you will. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to touch upon later that there really isn't anything else to do in this town right. but drink and sneak your boyfriend into mine shafts mm -hmm. to to engage in unpleasant, dark, dusty lovemaking. I mean, we've talked about how uncomfortable it is to have sex in the shower and have sex on the beach on this podcast. We now add having sex inside <laughs> of a mine shaft. Yes. And while some of the others are going to break rooms or you know the locker room these two are in a real mine shaft covered in dust it just doesn't seem sexy at all not to say that he's not enjoying it and she and so is she she's up, into it up until the point she gets impaled on his pickaxe well, yes um after he awkwardly holds her boob <laughs> Well, you know, he's got those big miner's gloves on. I mean, anything you do with those other than mining is probably going to be awkward. It's just not really tender lovemaking accoutrement in my book. What do I know? I'm not going to kink shame. I'm not, I'm not going to yuck his yum, but it's it's really not my thing, as is uh, stabbing people with pickaxes is also not my thing. Um, but that is our cold open, and then we get those super boss animated titles yes. with the bleeding hearts. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that is the expensive. cheapest shit I've ever no, seen. Expensive. <laughs> I mean, it cost how many loonies do you think that cost them? Cost a, a six pack of Moosehead and maybe a uh, maybe a bottle of maple syrup. Not the good stuff. The stuff that says pancake syrup on it. Yeah. So after the endless white type on black credit sequence, 
we then meet everyone else, and let's quickly run through this cavalcade of Canadianness. Yeah, let me let me point out first that that I I had I saw this movie a couple times when I was when I was young, but it's been a very long time since I had seen it up until mm-hmm. last night, and I had one of those. I don't want to call it exactly a Mandela effect, but. I definitely remembered these lead characters being teenagers, but no, these are, these are adults. Yes. These are adults. You, these are grown ass men who are soiling themselves in excitement over a dance. We've got the pranksters. We've got the fuck couples and everybody keeps referring to them as kids. Those kids better not cause any trouble. They're all like 25. Yes. Yes, but everyone constantly refers to them as kids, so I think it's very easy to misremember if you haven't seen it for a decade or plus. Like, they're not playing high schoolers. No, playing, they're playing, playing adults. Yeah, they're supposed to be adults, but yeah. they're but they're acting like seventeen-year-olds. Right. No, I thought the same thing. Why are they? Well, okay. So this town doesn't have that much to do. So I guess you can be somewhat excited that there's a dance. Oh yeah, I mean they're, they're... twenty years, but yeah, they are really excited to be twenty-five-year-olds to be going. Like, what am I gonna wear? The whole thing where there's not a lot to do. I mean, I think that's best illustrated in a scene where they're they they appear to be cooking TV dinners over over an engine block. Yeah, yes. sad, man. <laughs> They're hanging around a junkyard. It made me wonder if it's a Canadian thing. Like, maybe in Canada, dances in your 20s are just as exciting. Canadian as Kill by Kill fans, dances. let us know how many TV dinners have you cooked <laughs> over an engine block lately? None uh, of them seem to. None of them seem to have homes. They're they're constantly hanging around each other. Does mining not pay very much? I assume that mining doesn't pay very much at all. Only one person seems to be doing very well in this, and that is the mine owner slash mayor, who basically puts the mayor of Jaws to shame as far as malfeasance. <laughs> he's he's not okay. So let's get let's let's get right into our massive list of characters here. So first we got T.J. Hanniger. Now he's the son of that local mine owner. And he's a guy who thinks that he's a character from an early Bruce Springsteen album, Escaping Town. <laughs> but what he, what he really is, is he's Greg Brady after one semester at the Actors Gang Workshop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, would say that's, I would say that's accurate. <laughs> I worked hard. And then we have Axel Palmer. Now, he's TJ's rival. He's also a multi-cell carbon-based life form. Yeah, I mean, what what she really, what I really want in in a slasher movie is is a love triangle, particularly a, a love triangle between two hyper aggressive assholes and a really yes. boring woman. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, what he, are he, they fighting for? Yeah, these these yeah. dudes are just alpha mailing it all over the place for the entire, like up to the very end. They really could have done away with the whole plot of a couple of idiots stumbling over each other to try to figure out who's in love with who. It just, it ultimately, when you find out the end of this, it really doesn't make any sense. Now, we call back to that engine block sequence. They're also, TJ and Axel have this sort of harmonica fight where I think the- (laughs) That was the best. (laughs) I think that the organs that they want to mouth aren't blues instruments. 
<laughs> is sort of the vibe I started to get. That that is what they they just need to get down to Bonin, and I think they would be better off. That impression is certainly reinforced by the the outfit that TJ chooses to wear at the the at the big dance, which is a shirt unbuttoned down to his navel and mm-hmm. a bandana around his neck. A, a very thin bandana. It's almost a bandana et. I've never <laughs> seen a bandana so wispy. In my entire life, I don't even know where you would buy that or where you would accrue it. And I don't know why you would tie it around your neck. It just seems like something your rival would grab and haul you around by. And yet nobody ever does that. So then there's uh, TJ's dad, Mayor Hanniger, who's also owns the mine. Uh, And we have Chief Newbie. Who's his sort of right hand man? Uh, he's local law enforcement and resident pipe clincher. Uh, he spends most of the movie barking orders at people who don't listen. And, and one also has to wonder if there's something between the chief and the mayor well, based when, on the when mayor's pres- like, presentation of chocolates. When mayor gets those chocolates and he looks at him, and there's the longest take of newbie going ah. It's not. It's not me. Uh, nah, uh, do you have uh, something to do with this? It, well, the longer he does that, the more I think he does. I don't know. I mean, remember that he he got that box of chocolates from the 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 late Madame Mabel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, I'm thinking maybe there was something. Uh, maybe there's some sort of weird love triangle going on there too. Maybe so. Yeah. But he looks at the chief of police with a little bit of longing and says. <laughs> Did you please, have anything to do with this? Please like, let it be you, maybe, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Get me out get me out of this Mabel thing, why don't you? I also thought TJ's name was Tom. Uh well at one point the what's the female is? She's like Pam Sarah. 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 Yeah. She's mm-hmm. just completely un, makes no impression whatsoever. But I, she definitely calls him the wrong name in one scene. Oh, does she? At the at the at the at the, the the beach, the scene where he more or less just kidnaps her from her job yeah. and drives her to to the beach. Right. They have Remember their, their, this, this spot. This is where we had sex. Lady. Where they have the old big where Thing. they have their big who gives a shit yes. you know moment that they that she reveals she really is still in love with him. She definitely calls him Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I stopped at one moment and like I'm like wait a minute did she just call him Jesse and I and I I, I went back sure enough she calls him by the wrong name and I'm just wondering if he, if there was an earlier script where he is named Jesse and is they that the decided name? no but but or, or this he said well you know let's name TJ instead I, I don't know you guys know about script writing more than I do are there are there times when you just abruptly halfway through filming a movie decide to change a character's name <laughs> that, I mean, that's a rare. A rarity. I mean, I you say. do it, but that's when you're horrible and bad at it. Yeah. That's well, not, there not you go. The filming, not at the filming <laughs> not, point. Not in the middle of filming. Yeah. I suppose his name could be Tom Jesse Hannigan. And she yeah, but she calls him TJ in every other serious. scene, though. Yeah. Oh, it's weird. <laughs> um, yeah, so Sarah is the woman that they're both in love with. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty convinced that a producer at some point said, try to be more Southern Belle. And she's like, well, I'm South Saskatchewan. That'll do. <laughs> and she's, she never quite yeah, finds a landing like place. She's just milk toast. She's just there. Yeah, There's, I mean, I, I, cared, I cared about this, this, you know, how this triangle worked out about as much as I cared about the low triangle in the first season of The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's just like, okay, you know, one of y'all need to die because this is really yeah. boring and I'm tired of hearing about it. Oh, let's move on to our resident trickster, uh, Howard. Howard. Howard, who cannot talk past his teeth. He's a character so obnoxious 
that you don't have to be religious at all to find yourself praying for his death about halfway through this movie. Yeah, he uh, la- and he lasts way longer than you would expect him to, given given oh. that the, that he is the prankster character. Yeah, he should have died way earlier, mm-hmm. but I do feel that it it builds to a delicious moment. I <laughs> when he does get it, it's kind of cathartic in a way because uh, we'll get to that and uh, and then we have uh, Patty who's a delightful young woman who dotes on the most likable character in the entire film Hollis is it Patty? Oh, I Hollis. thought it was Penny it's Patty it's Patty according okay. to all the this is how uh, well defined these characters are <laughs> that uh, we're like they all have Patty? they all have names that sound Whoever. similar it's ridiculous <laughs> Yeah, Hollis, yeah, Hollis is, seems like he was shipped in from another movie, you know, another movie that is reasonably charming and entertaining. Yes, yes. Yes. I mean, Hollis is my favorite character in this movie. He might be my favorite character in Friday the 13th Part 3. He's not even in it. But <laughs> I wanted, I want him you to want be him in there. it. He would have mm-hmm. been great. Um, in fact, one of, one of the things I love about Hollis most is that he looks exactly like Bunny Carlos, the drummer for Cheap Trick. <laughs> You know, I, I thought that he reminded me of somebody, but I think that that's, I think that you nailed it there. He's hes much more put together than the uh, comedian used to do the Doritos commercials way back when. I can't even remember his name. But he was also a mustachioed uh, horsesuit uh, uh, sort of uh, oh, overweight man. yeah, that was my improv teacher. <laughs> the, the guy from Galaxina yeah. and Doritos commercials yeah. was your improv teacher. Well, yep. LA. <laughs> Full of famous, famous, famous faces. So, yeah, we start off with all of them in a mine, uh-huh. completely covered in dust. You can't tell what any person is or what they're saying. Some people have Irish accents for no particular reason. Other people you can't even talk past their teeth. And then we get this sort of faux carry shower scene where they all laugh and slap Bond ass. And- in a shower volleyball scene in a shower (laughs) it's definitely wet and greasy and gross yeah they all claim to have valentine's dates when they don't and and then you cut to that awesome dukes of hazard music as they get in their cars oh yeah like pile in as in a clown car manner and try to go to town yeah, so they're they're about a minute away from one of them having like an orangutan in the in the, yes. in the passenger seat of their car, just giving the finger to everybody and you know smoking cigarettes and chugging beer. You know, people get on Tom Cruise for running in every movie, but when you see somebody run badly, it kind of be like, oh, I see why Tom Cruise does it because he looks good when he runs. Whereas every person in this movie looks like like there's a Sid and Marty Croft monster chasing after them (laughs) it's all wild arms and legs and no purpose to it whatsoever and they head directly into town uh we get some of the backstory where the mayor says we haven't had a a valentine's dance in 20 years and let's not go about saying why it's been 20 years to mabel and she agrees to keep that quiet the entire town is, is papered up and cheap. Every in every hearts. inch of this town is covered <laughs> yes. in Valentine's Day decorations. Yes. The local laundromat, the local dingy-looking department store, the bars, every 
place is covered. In... And I think it was all covered by Mabel. I really yeah. believe that. Yeah, she Mabel needed this a is, hobby. Th- she needed. This is the only. To do. She ran a laundromat. When is she busy? Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. but, but yeah, this is all anybody has to live for in this town yes. at this point. Is this? I mean, there's a sign that literally says "Big Valentine's Day Dance." I, I think the phrase "Valentine's Day Dance" is probably mentioned just within the first half hour about forty-three times. Yes. It's it's almost as if. They don't think it's a believable concept. Like, well, it's not. It's twenty-five-year-olds. Yeah, it really <laughs> isn't. Day. I mean, the, 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 I mean, I went to high school in a fairly small town, and there was there were no events in which the entire town showed up for it. Certainly not a cross-generational where the you know, the young folk and the old folk are equally excited about this event. Right. Yeah. And it is one sad-looking room. Where this party is oh, going to be. It is a VFW hall. Yeah, it <laughs> I mean, is. Or whatever the Canadian version of the right. VFW hall yep. is. Badwood paneling. It's, it's a VFW hall and there's about 11 people there. Mm-hmm. All this all this effort for this, for this dance. Everyone is giving it their all. And Howard has sort of set his sights on a nondescript blonde who isn't the one who gets killed in the beginning, but looks almost exactly like her. And... He asks her out to the dance, and she responds with this. Suck it in and zip it up. I think that's my favorite line. I don't think it gets better than that. Now, is this also where they do, like, they let you know what kind of town this is by the way they're all playing, Wait, you know, enter the bar or restaurant or wherever they all hang out, and they're playing the game where you try to not stab your fingers? Oh, oh no, we're mum- not there mumble yet. peg yeah. Like, is uh, that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah, we're, well, that's the cage. We have not quite entered the cage yet we're still we're still at the vfw hall um and that this is where howard brings out uh a candy heart container oh yeah to the mayor and says hey somebody dropped this off for you and that's where we get that awkward encounter where he accuses uh chief newbie of doing it and chief newbie's very slow to say no because i think in his heart (laughs) he wants to say yes he really wanted to be the one i know i believe it Love that dare not speak its name in Valentine's Bluff. He was was thinking, who's who's moving in on my action, motherfucker? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait, no, 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 that wasn't me. I didn't send that, no. (laughs) No, no. Uh, So uh, the mayor and chief uh, pile into a truck together and head on off. And the mayor opens up this this, uh, candy heart box so fucking slowly. I swear to God, it's like uh, two minutes to open this mm-hmm. thing. He finally does. And there's this poem about how you shouldn't do something on Saturday the 14th. And he opens the box and there's a, a heart, a, a severed human heart inside. He has, and... he, has, he has a wonderful reaction to it. He just kind of throws his head back and just seems almost more exasperated than fearful. Yeah, he doesn't look scared. And he's like, and he, it, nobody really reacts to no. finding human hearts in a way that real people <laughs> would react to. But yeah, he, he throws his head back and he's like, he's like oh, it can't be happening again. And just, I just love that because he just, again, he just seems annoyed. He, he reacts to it like it's going to be an insurance nightmare. Not that he just found a human heart right. as a gift to him from a killer who's, who's that was his calling card. And he's like, oh, no, we had it all planned. Mabel was going to was going to have the punch 
Like he's yeah. somewhat like reviewing things that like I can't believe I blew two grand on Valentine's Day decorations more than holy shit, there's a human heart right in front of me. Well, and he's at this point they will not cancel the dance. That comes later. No. So <laughs> the dance is still on. They don't know if it. They don't they know if it's a human heart. They need. They, prankster, need, they right? could be a prankster. Uh-huh. Howard is the, one of those kids. Did it. One of those kids did it. Should we, should we did, uh, assume that the heart belonged to the young lady at the beginning of the movie? I think you can't say. And, and if so, has nobody noticed that she's missing? A white lady disappearing? No one ever raises a fuss when they're in, in a town with about seventy-five people in it. Yeah, good point. And when they do go to the morgue guy or whatever he is in the next scene mm-hmm. who who says no, this is he says it's a thirty-year-old woman's heart. Yes, which so I'm not sure how you. you now these yeah, people sure are 30 going out. to a dance, by the way. They're 30. <laughs> I'm not so sure how you could check the age of someone going by their heart. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you can, <laughs> you can go by, okay, it's this probably an adult, but I'm not sure. I'm not even sure you could check the, were they doing like DNA testing back in 1981? Oh, no, I'm sure what you do is you slice the heart in two and you count the rings and that, that way you know <laughs> how many years old that uh, woman and, and was whose heart a, that belonged to. And there's a bow on it so you can determine that it was a female heart? <laughs> Jauntily off to the right side. That's how you know. That's a girl heart. I mean, there's a line in that coroner's office where they have this awkward three shot because they don't want to move the camera. For God's sakes, if we move the camera, it will, it'll be another setup. So all three of them are in it and the coroner is off to the side and goes, oh yeah, I remember that. Those were horrible murders. <laughs> As opposed to the very pleasant murders we've all experienced. <laughs> so in between this time, oh, I'm sorry, there's one other thing that happens uh, in that truck when they find the human heart there. And that is when they turn around, the chief puts on a siren and a dog takes off to chase the truck. Oh, for a split second, I was like, oh, my God, they're going to run that fucking dog over. (laughs) And then later on, there's another pack of dogs. I think this town is filled with wild fucking dogs. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Just add it to the atmosphere of this place that it's surrounded by feral dogs who have no fear of automobiles whatsoever. I also liked when they were sort of establishing in the car before he opened the box and saw it was a heart, Mm -hmm. um, sort of establishing that this is what happened. There was this Valentine's dance 20 years ago, and, um, you know, the guys at the mine weren't paying attention. They left to go hang out and have fun, and that's how these miners ended up getting trapped right and killed and so this guy's the killer's poem is something along the lines of it's not obviously okay he's mad at the valentine's dance because that's they ignored stuff and that's how everyone died but his whole thing isn't about i want to make sure no one ever dies again or safety and mines or anything it's there can never be a dance (laughs) this whole movie is about and and again it curiously implies that the very sight of a paper Valentine's Day heart just sends him sends him over the edge. Exactly. I mean, I mean, you know, if if it had been like the 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 the, the foreman's lunch hour, would he would he that they that they left their post early? Would he have never wanted anybody to eat lunch again? This is it's a very possible. there's a there's a very gossamer link to Valentine's Day as being the the motivator behind 
right. why this this person chose chose to kill a bunch of people. No, they they chose a theme and they just went at it. Like, how can we connect these murders to Valentine's Day? How can we connect these murders to Valentine's Day? And the sort of you know thing at the time was somebody died as a result of malfeasance, and certainly Friday the Thirteenth is that way. Oh, mm-hmm. my child drowned. Because someone needs to pay. Someone needs to pay, so I'm going to keep uh, making sure this camp never opens, and when it finally looks like it's going to, I'm going to kill everyone in it. And here we get this sort of story at the cage by Happy, the bartender of doom. Yeah, he's he's oh, yeah. he's a crazy he's the crazy Ralph of the uh, of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> he's both he's he's a very active crazy Ralph. However, he tells this story and everyone is forced into a flashback. He sort of projects it like a mass hallucination. It's a little bit of the Wayne's World thing. Exactly. And when TJ comes up to the bar when this happens, there's a crusty sea captain sitting next to Happy. Yes. Who who shoots TJ a look like. Get me the fuck out of here. Don't let this guy tell me this story again. I heard it like five times tonight. I hear it one more fucking time. And TJ's like, eh, I don't care. And the look on this sea captain's face is like, God damn it. Just well, give me one fucking out. Like I bought you a beer when you were 15. Can't you do this for me? Well, here's the thing is that everybody is just sort of barely tolerating Hap telling this story. And they're treating it like this is something that happened like a hundred years ago, but and 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 this also plays into the the weird who the killer actually is twist at the end, where people are saying like, oh, that's just a legend, that's just some superstition. No, this happened in your lifetime, right? right. And and yes. this is something that if you went down to the Valentine's Bluff public library you could look up on the microfilm machine but he's i mean he he's absolutely correct in the story that he's telling this actually happened and everybody's just like bad ah, there he goes tell there's crazy hap telling his stories again and, and it's like do, do none of your do any of your parents ever talk about this you were all children when this happened yeah apparently they don't uh for one person in this group it's a tragedy that nobody does but that being said, um, yeah, the the basic story is is that Harry uh, Warden survived an avalanche. The two supervisors who were supposed to clear the mine forgot to, went to the Valentine's Day dance. There was an explosion. Five men were trapped. By the time they got to these men, only one of them survived, Harry. And we see him uh, <laughs> cackling like a witch and eating a hand. Yep. Yeah, I, I think I have a little trouble believing that you a person would go feral in six weeks <laughs> and, and eat five people. <laughs> he I was mean, hungry, <laughs> Gina. <laughs> but he ate everybody in six weeks. Well, you know what? They start they start knocking off. You get a little peckish. Things, I, I sort of, things happen. I, the, the, when, he, when they reveal to me that the little... Scream! <laughs> it yes. reminded me of um, uh, the the fake trailer in, in Grindhouse for Don't. Yes. When uh, when they reveal, uh, I think it was Nick. <laughs> it was Nick Frost. And when mm-hmm. they they shine the light on him, he's got the diaper, and he just kind of lets out this like shriek. It's, it sort of reminds me of that. I I wouldn't doubt that they maybe have pulled that reference for it. I mean, it is one of the wackiest moments in any movie <laughs> that I can remember. Um. 
so and a year later harry comes back after being committed and kills the two supervisors who uh neglectfully left right uh he takes their hearts he puts them in candy boxes as and you le- do as you do as everyone does <laughs> <laughs> as is the tradition we have here mm-hmm. in canada and places them at the vfw hall for others to find and then states in in poem form that there should never be another dance. valentine's dance <laughs> again so what we have here is as a combination of two films Jaws and Footloose. <laughs> We've banned dancing on a very specific day, and we have a mayor and a chief who are battling whether or not to tell people that there is a bloodthirsty killer in the water, or in this case, around the prairie. I think I would have loved to see if the mayor, because you know, the, the mayor in, in Jaws has that great jacket with the little anchors all over it i know i love that jacket i I really wanted to see the mayor in this one just have a jacket has like little hearts all over it (laughs) with little pickaxes little crossed pickaxes that would be wonderful oh i i want that jacket the hell with him he doesn't deserve it uh so anyways um this all occurs uh and later we find mabel at her own laundry place madam mabel's which, okay. Uh, whorehouse. Whorehouse, laundromat. Six and a half dozen the yeah. other. Mm-hmm. Um, and Valentine's decoration warehouse store. Yes, there's a lot of decor on there. Mabel was busy. Mm-hmm. And she's laundering some of them, which is odd. Because <laughs> a lot of it's paper stuff. What would, Anyways, she's laundering them somehow. And then she is stalked by a man in... The full miners get up complete with pickaxe. And I never thought I would see a dumber reaction to a killer than in Friday the 13th when the, the very first couple, that girl throws empty cardboard boxes to the side of her attacker. <laughs> Until this film in which Mabel throws open laundry doors that can simply just be shut again. What? Is, what is she trying to accomplish with this? Like, yeah. wind him? She also says, go away. <laughs> Which is not the strongest defense. <laughs> go away. He should. He yeah, should he go should, away. But, Mabel's yeah. not in charge of... But you have to give them props, maybe, for not doing the typical opening kill. No one really thinks the old sweet lady is necessarily yeah, the first her, one to go. When, when her, her being stuffed in the dryer is, is one of the things I do actually remember from having watched this yeah. movie when I was a kid. And I just, I, I, I was going to point out later, but this was very heavily edited down for violence when it was first released. Mm-hmm. And then um, it was re it was re-released uh, a few years ago with a lot of the cut scenes added back in. And I, I think I got that version because it was pretty gory, way way more than I remembered it being from before. But I could not help thinking, kind of finding it sort of funny when he opens the dryer and she kind of tumbles out and then she's still kind of spinning around in yes. the dryer. For one thing, the dryer's not going to keep moving when you open the door. But I just thought, you know, no, no dignity upon death. She's still in the spin cycle. Same. And they just keep talking about how bad it smells. I know. <laughs> 
Oh, and the, and the chief's response to this is to light the mayor's cigar. Like, here, stink this place up right, with your shitty your shitty cigar. Well, I think my that'll favorite part everything. is I think my favorite part is when the sheriff is is he hasn't found her body yet, but he's noticing something's wrong, and he stops and smells his pipe. Like, what kind of pipe tobacco are you smoking that it's gonna smell like burning flesh? Now, the scene before they they discover him in the cigar. But when they're just when when the chief is walking around doing his ace detective work mm-hmm. and he <laughs> figures out something's wrong because the heart, the construction paper hearts are turned upside down. And then man handles the me. evidence and wanders yeah, around that, with that, it. That's some Encyclopedia Brown shit there. It's like <laughs> that 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 wasn't that wasn't hanging that way right, yesterday. Memorized. Yeah, that shows a little more detective work that he that he exhibits at any other time in the in, Mean, in the movie. Meanwhile, he opens the one dryer that isn't blood covered on the inside, which you can totally sing in HD. <laughs> I might add. In fact, Chief Newby is the worst investigator of all time. I've discovered because he all he does is shout into phones for answers that nobody has. When he calls the insane asylum. And that lady's like, I don't know, like, he's not on a record, so he's either transferred or dead or on a slab. And you're like, isn't dead and on the slab the same thing? Are they different? Is there just a slab on the outside that's different? Or he's released? He's released? I think, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think she it was said transferred, re- released, released, or on, on a slab. slab. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she just, just, she just, typical civil service, she just gives no fucks about helping this guy, trying to track this guy down. Uh, she, and like, why should rolls her, She rolls her eyes when he, when he, when he asks her to call him back with more information. Yes, yes. She's so pissed she has to go dig through the microfilm or whatever yeah. she has to do. And this is where finally they decide to cancel the dance too, right? Mabel's death. Yes, Mabel's Props. death allows them, gives them an excuse. They say that Mabel died of a heart attack and therefore in her honor, it would be rude to right, now to have, have dance. this dance. So they have to get rid of every single decoration, which as we have discussed, is a lot of fucking decoration. Yeah, that's good. That's a that's a day and a half project with everybody <laughs> taking taking the, you know, the whole day off of work for that. This is uh, also right around the time that we get TJ kidnapping Sarah from her place of work to go off to the prairie. What is the point of taking her to the place that she lost her virginity? Is that what I'm supposed to get from there. I think it's just the, something. There was, I think that was just a place where they'd had you know a special moment, whatever you want to. And I mean, I can't imagine it was her losing her virginity. She's almost thirty. Yeah, I I intuned it was like the first time they probably yeah either had some amazing night or that's where he said I love you or that's where they that's where they had sex for the first time. Mm-hmm. It was whatever it was. It was very special. It's very special and super depressing. <laughs> I mean, that, I, that. Well, I mean, it's that, no mine shaft or anything, but, you know, that was a little early in the relationship to really turn up the romance. Yeah, and he makes a play, basically. And this is, I think, a super weird way to go about this, where he says to her, Listen, I left town and I screwed up. I screwed up badly. Now I've come back and I want you to screw up with me. <laughs> I do, this is not a, a winning pitch. This isn't going to get you the gig. Yeah, I assume the purpose from a writing standpoint, the purpose of this scene was to give you a little, uh, a 
doubt about who he was because he says things like, I really messed up out there. And he never tells you what he was up to, why he disappeared. Maybe it was to become a better man, whatever. But but I think the writing there is to try to plant in the viewer's head. Who the fuck oh, can't make it in Vancouver, is, by the way? Is he, <laughs> is he the red herring? Is he, yeah. is he really... Is he the killer? There was just there, I, that's what I think it was for. It, it misses that mark by it like does. A, by, it's not good. It's not, it wasn't. Done yeah, well. I mean, every I everybody kind of was. everybody sort of talks around things, which again also leads to the rather implausible twist at the end, where it's just like, oh well, he was out west. He's had a rough time, and it's just like, okay, well, you know, you, these things are never explained. You go away going, well, I guess he's unstable, so we should keep our eye on that character. Yeah, I mean, the, these are these are barely red, red herrings. I mean, they're hardly a, a shade of pink. It's They're not really pointing to anyone. <laughs> the old and, pink herring. And then even when it does point to somebody, it doesn't make a lick of goddamn sense. Anyways... The crew who are all at the cage then decide that they're going to hold their own fucking Valentine's Day dance. They're going to go to the mine. Now, I might remind you, they're in a place that they regularly go to that serves beer, that plays music, that they can smoke in, and apparently during that sequence, smoke weed in. Why do they need to go to the mine? Why can't you just party at the fucking cage and be done with it? Because that's not special. It's Valentine's it's Day. Va- yeah, exactly. It's Valentine's Day. <laughs> you gotta do something different. So you're saying you don't want me to take you to the cage for Valentine's <laughs> that, Day? I, that is what I'm saying. Well, I've got to get on open table and change some <laughs> fucking reservations because you have to buy in advance to get in there. He, he was going to spend the whole night wowing you with his skills at playing whatever the hell that game was. It was sort of like a one-person air hockey. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah whatever that, that was. That that it's beer like bowling shot, thing? But, where you, but not, yeah. yeah, where it's we, like we, that little we, metal we, disc. We skipped over one of the more spectacular, or, or are we going to talk about the, the deaths specifically at the end? Because we're, we're, we're skipping. The bartender? We, yeah, we skipped over the demise of Hap, which is pretty, if you have the uncut version, yeah. pretty spectacular. Yeah, I, well, I mean, because they, they tell Hap that they're going to do this and that he better shut up. And that's, that's when, right. He's just after this. Show those kids. Mm-hmm. Oh, right, so right, right. Yeah, that happens when they after they decide to have the, the party elsewhere, right? Okay. So he goes to the mine, he takes one of the miners' uniforms and rigs this wily coyote contraption where when you open the door... And he is incredibly pleased with this. Oh my god, he is delighted. This is the highlight of his gin-soaked life. I mean, he has never in his life done anything that is better than this. No, it's so good. You can't just see it once or twice or even three times. Four. It's a, four. You need, to, you need to open the door four times. It's a four banger to really get it, to go, <laughs> to understand your handiwork and go, I, only me, I have created this with my own hands. <laughs> and then the fifth time he opens that fucking door, it's disappeared and the Harry Warden Miner is there and pickaxes him right up through the chin. Yeah. I, that's pretty boss. Yeah, it is. I mean, we've got eyeball out of the head action. It's it's yeah. it's it's pretty grody. So yeah, everyone gathers their best hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Only the finest Valentine hot dogs for this illicit dance. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, head on off to the, <laughs> mine. to the mine. Yeah. Yes. And uh, they're all hooping and hollering, including Dave, who seems to be the local bad boy. He's the guy that Chief Newbie's always given guff to, like, I'm going to arrest you at any second. But they don't explain what he's done or why. He's just, I don't know, vaguely ethnic. So maybe okay. that's why he gets wow, it. He left us a zero impression. And nor should <laughs> yeah, he. Yeah, I don't. I, I really don't. I, I'm like, I'm like, Eddie? <laughs> I'm actually, I was sitting here trying to remember that character. The only reason I bring him up is because he has one of the most hilarious deaths in this entire Oh, is he the thing. one that goes into the, oh, the hot dog pot? Oh, I thought his name was something else. No, it's Dave, according okay. to all, all information right. that I have. Dave goes in to grab a hot dog and ends up having his face pushed into the hot dog pot and having his face boiled off. Death by hot dog water. It's good. I love that one. <laughs> it's delicious, but horrible. Yeah. And and then his his heart is apparently dropped in the hot dog pot. And for some reason, this yes! is this is another this is another scene I do actually remember from when I watched this as a kid. Like someone just pulls it out with tongs, and they're like they're like ew. <laughs> just like, like this. And then somebody said, "Oh, I guess they're just playing a prank." What the? No. <laughs> Yeah, it's like what, he's put another you know, organ yeah, outside it, of a hot dog in this pot. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, a prank. it doesn't matter if it's if it's a. If, I don't care if it's a cow heart. I'm not going to eat these hot dogs now. They're just very casually. Oh, no big. So he probably just put it in there as a prank. Maybe heart. it's the difference between a Canadian and an American, where I want my cow hearts inside the hot dog, not boiled <laughs> not with the hot dog. No, yeah. no, that, that's where they belong. During this sequence, we also get Sylvia and Little John, as he's known. Little John is the gentleman who wears the very tan, open-collared shirt and the tan leather vest. Oh, yes, that vest. Now, he... He's special in one way, and I think it, it needs to be stated. I think he's the first person on Kill by Kill to attempt to have sex with a woman and provide his own birth control. He does. Ah. He, he is Slow on it. fucking clap for little John. <laughs> he's not a fucking asshole. He doesn't depend on everyone else to do contraception for him. He comes prepared and offers it and says, like, yeah, I've got this. I We are not going to get you pregnant tonight, Sylvia. He he lives. And I think that's the reason, not that Sylvia deserves to die, but even still. Well, she wanted beer. So there she you wanted go. beer. And she also <laughs> was amazed by how the uniforms would drop from the ceiling right. from ropes. They're in the men's locker room of, of the mine on the surface level where everyone changes. And uh, I also not a number one sexy time location, a men's locker room. <laughs> Outside of that one lady from the first Porky's movie, I can't think of anyone else turned on by men's locker room. <laughs> I, I think that Sylvia has just the most incredible acting when when these all these uniforms with suits, whatever you call them, start falling from the ceiling. Mm -hmm. I mean, just mm, just kiss the fingertips for for just this this <laughs> incredible amount of emoting as these work suits just fall from the ceiling towards her. It's the one I think it's the actual most effective set piece in the entire thing. It, it builds it is, suspense it, and it pays it off. It it, it is, but I cannot concentrate. I could not really focus you know, because I could not look past just how bad of an actor 
this actress yes. was in this I'm scene. I'm with Gina. Patrick I said just, that uh, just, during, like, I love this death. And I'm like, yeah, she's so bad, though. Yeah, it's just, really I, it, was dis- it was distracting. I had, my, I had stars in my eyes from Little John, maybe. <laughs> and it just made everything so much better. Anyways, she gets totally uh, impaled through the back of her head and out of her mouth through a shower spigot. Yep. Which is a new one on me. She's also very, very tiny. And earlier, Little John picks her up. Uh, and she, there's a big height ratio between the two of them. So uh, are they sort of alluding that Little John might be the killer Based no, I don't think so. I, th- I think they're just, I think they're just trying to cleverly uh, portend how some of these characters are going to die. Like um, later in the movie, uh, Hollis says to Howard, the prankster, "You lose your head if it wasn't tied on with a rope." And up, oh, how does Howard die? Mm. He gets his head ripped off with a rope, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I might be reading a little too much into the cleverness of the script or intended cleverness, <laughs> but I feel like maybe there was a little kind of foreshadowing yeah, wink, of how these people there. were going to go. We then have a sequence in which TJ and Axel uh, talk about who Sarah should be with and do not consult Sarah at all. <laughs> right. Because uh, who could give a shit less? I mean, honestly. <laughs> I mean, they sour the evening so much that Sarah, when someone suggests, hey, let's go down into a mine for a fun time, she's like, yeah, it couldn't be worse than what's up fucking here. Let's Let's go down 2,000 feet. What do I got to lose? And that was where the classic, uh, you know the rule, no women in the mine comes. It's a standard rule, Becky. (laughs) Which I love because it's not about safety or things might explode or... We could get asphyxiated. No. It's like a pirate ship. You know the rule. Yeah, it's bad luck. <laughs> pirate ships and mines, they're exactly the same. And, and they are, they are, could not be more excited about going on this slow-ass mine cart. I mean, they're, they're like, they're like waiting in line for Space Mountain with this thing. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of the mine ride in the, the Science Museum in Chicago. for any listeners out there that is a two-hour line because people are so excited about the idea of going underneath the museum of science and industry in chicago and a mine cart i'd rather throw myself off i do get the appeal of like racing down a mine shaft i can i can i can get with the girls on this well they are not racing i mean they're going no it turns out in this movie they are not (laughs) no basically who goes down in the mine is bunny carlos patty (laughs) howard sarah and another fuck couple fuck couple number two yeah goes in there yeah just because we need michael and harriet that, that sounds right, yeah. Yeah. While they're heading down, the bodies of Dave and Sylvia are discovered. Axel says, oh my god, Harry Warden is here, and everyone leave, and they all just skedaddle. But the way he says it is like, Harry Warden, he's here. Like, <laughs> he says it with all the pizzazz of a guest your weight carny with, who's on too many lewds. It's just... <laughs> There's no oomph behind it. We could give him a second take, guys. Give him a second take at that. 
the, the second take would have been him flubbing his line saying, Harry Warden is me. Right. <laughs> Spoiler alert for a movie that came out in 1981. Axel's the fucking killer. <laughs> we'll get to that because it makes no fucking sense. No, it makes no. zero sense. I mean, from here on out, for him to actually accomplish the kills and appear as himself is impossible. Yeah, he's a little Houdini guy, too. <laughs> Yeah, not so little Houdini. That's true. Yeah. It's very tall drink of water, Houdini. <laughs> um, so, yeah, everyone uh, splits up mm-hmm. once they get down to the bottom of, of the mine. Of course, the people in the mine don't know yet, right, no. that all this carnage has happened upstairs. That's absolutely true. Uh, I, you know, I don't know how – I've never lived in a mining town, never been in a mine shaft, but does this town not yet have, in 1981, the technology of walkie-talkies? Not according to anything that we see. We never see anyone. That's true. You never see like a CB like radio in the chief's car is about as close to it as we possibly get. Although we do know that the phone lines are down. Right, but he's using TJ. a pay, he's using a payphone. You would think that you would think the town would be small enough that he could throw his head out the window and say, "Hey, police!" <laughs> <laughs> or tie a note to one of the feral dogs, and they would there eventually get to the chief. Throw one of the hot dogs down the street to make a run after it. <laughs> Everyone splits up at the bottom. We get a couple interesting mining details, like the white dust on the walls is mine powder. Right. Um, that's very interesting. Thank goodness that was included <laughs> in the finished product. Isn't this also where Michael and Harriet say, get really turned on by this dirty mine and say... Can you give us 10 minutes? Ten yeah, minutes. And she's, and Very she's specific like, time. And she's like, I can't believe you work here. Like, it's some sort of, you know, just just very elegant restaurant or a hotel. It's just a filthy mine shaft. And, and she's just like in awe of, of the cushy accommodations that his job allows him. Yes. Yeah. Like, I can't believe all of this doesn't belong to you. So they go off to the break room to have sex. And eventually, uh, is it TJ or Axel comes down and says, oh, guys, um, all bloody hell is broken out up on the surface. Harry Warden is here. We got to get back up to the surface. Right. Bunny Carlos goes, Michael and Harriet split off. And he's like, okay, you go this way. I'll go that way. And then Bunny wanders into the break room and discovers another sex sandwich. (laughs) Only this time, it's with a giant power drill. Yeah. (laughs) Which is when you said Michael and Harriet got screwed. Literally. (laughs) Did you say that? Did you really say that? (laughs) Yeah. It it went over about as well as any of my other jokes. (laughs) Which is not as, as well as I had felt it would go in my head in our marriage so um yeah <laughs> uh so r.i.p.d michael and harriet they're not coming back from that no. so unfortunately then bunny carlos becomes uh the target of oh Harry i hate Warden. i hated his death so much yeah, it was so carlos. it was so like just cruel and unpleasant and and i just like oh come on cut away just cut away cut away that please <laughs> Yeah, that's the nail gun death. He gets a, a couple different times and ways, and not enough to actually dispatch him right away. He's the walking wounded right up yeah. until he finds Patty, who loves him like they're 
their thing they works. They are true blue. They, that relationship works in this. Mm-hmm. I believe in it. And she is destroyed when he shows up basically on the way out. And they're like, yeah, he's not mm, going to walk away from that several nails in his brain. Yeah. So. Well, one big one. Yeah. Because I, it made me think if, oh, maybe this is where the no country for old men people got the <laughs> idea for. <laughs> they watched Bloody Valentine. We're like, what if we made it bigger? Huh? Creepier. Creepier. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Why not? Doesn't um, every uh, auteur get their inspiration from My Bloody Valentine 1981? I supposedly, so. supposedly Quentin Tarantino has named it as his favorite slasher movie. Really? Which I am a little dubious because I think Quentin Tarantino claims that everything is his favorite movie. So, yeah. you know, just, just I, need I, an explanation on, on that. Why. On yeah. why. Because... I, I, think, I think he names a lot of cheap badly made badly done movies as his favorite of that particular genre i mean everyone should you know if it's from his heart like oh this was the most amazing experience i had in a theater or it really struck him like i i don't begrudge him but i just feel like there there are better slashers from this era i mean when you have happy birthday to me just sitting there and you're telling me that my bloody valentine's better than happy birthday to me oh fuck off (laughs) Quentin Tarantino. Quentin, you I'm just taking been, you to you, task. You, boom, roasted. <laughs> I'm coming at you. I'm punching up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, right before this is when Howard is put in charge of the girls. And there's he has a, he has a thing where he goes, what? No! <laughs> like, yeah, he does not want to be. He's like, don't leave me here with these women. You know what they say, no women in the mine, through his giant teeth. <laughs> um, anyways, he fucking skedaddles yeah, the he first chance off. he gets. And then somehow we get this And we all know at this crawl. point that the killer is down there. And these people could not be more loud. They are just Oh, yeah. And Patty around. is just, she's just basically become like a sack of potatoes that, yeah, that, Sarah, that Sarah has to drag around, drag behind her. I mean, they, they can't get anything done uh, between the two of them. But you would think you'd be whispering at this point when you know. You'd think that? You'd think. But she's not <laughs> capable of rational thought at this point. She's just yeah. letting everything out. And so. They get to this elevator shaft, and of course the electronics is ripped out, and they're going to have to climb up on this ladder. All the I don't even know if that's possible, but like if I were in this situation, okay, let's climb a ladder. Like, What's the worst that could happen? The worst that could happen is that Howard appears mysteriously hung on a rope. I don't know how this happens. Does Axel trigger this somehow? He Has pushes he him or up? something. I, I think he just, I assume he just pushed him. Yeah, but how Howard got up there, I don't know. How did Howard get all the way up there and then Axel get back down to then climb back up again? There's there's a lot of bending of time and space (laughs) in in this movie. Uh, Meanwhile, on the surface, Chief Newbie does what he does best, which is tell people where to park. (laughs) (laughs) I... Honestly, he's the worst fucking law enforcement I've ever seen portrayed in a movie. He motions where everyone should park and then he does not go down 
into the mine until he has an oh, entire no, group of people in front man. of him. Every last man. Every get last out. man, get out. And as a human shield, go down in front of me. I'll be down with my gun in the middle of the pack. It'll be fine. So, yeah, they uh, decide not to climb the mine shaft, head back well, the yeah, other way. Well, yeah, they assume he's up there. Yeah, yeah. For as you, as reason. And technically, he is up yeah. there. Um, and then Axel says, hey, go around this open water source in the middle of this mine. I don't know how mines work. It could be completely rational. But um, then they hear a crack and a splash. And then they run back and they see a mining helmet sink to the bottom. So they assume in the water. that Harry has gotten to Axel and Axel is no more. And then uh, TJ sends... Sarah and uh, Patty ahead, uh, a sort of collapse happens on top of him, and as they're running away, they get to a corner, and then the miner just nails Patty right in the sternum with that pickaxe, and Patty is no more. And that dress that's cut down to here and slid up to here, she said she might not get out of that party alive, and... Well, she yeah. was, see, see, that's what I'm talking right. about. I think it's another, you know, eh, 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 we're, yeah. we're foreshadowing. That's true. So then we have... I think we're also sick of her whining at oh, this I point. I oh, mean, well, I know yeah. she lost her love, but honestly, she needed you know, to go. Mourn later. Get out now. <laughs> <laughs> she descends very quickly into annoying town. But yeah. I, considering her, her greatest love has been nailed almost in front of her eyes, you know... Uh, that's what she's going to do. So then we have this wild and wooly cat and mouse chase. And by that, I mean a slow motion cart ride. <laughs> the in slowest which cart ride. People crawl from one three mile an hour cart to the next one, trying to avoid the minor. And we have a very awkwardly choreographed shovel versus pickaxe fight. A lot of deflections. TJ spends a lot of this fight on the ground, either on the mine or um, on the mine cart. He's just constantly getting knocked over. I think TJ hits the mine and the various supports more than he actually gets shots in at the miner <laughs> at any given point. And it's also that typical where Sarah's like, ew, ah, here's the pickaxe. You do it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. She does. I'm a woman in a mine. <laughs> I sapped all my strength. But she does. Yeah, there's one time she tries. She heartedly. She of. comes in with a rock and uh -huh. smacks the miner in the face. And then, for reasons I don't understand, when the miner is about to stab TJ, who once again, on his back, she reaches over and pulls the mask off, and lo and behold, it was Axel the whole time. Why? Well, another flashback. This was my freeze frame record uh, needle scratching across the record moment because this doesn't make any sense. No, Axel is the son of one of the supervisors who was killed the year after Harry was. Um, released from the mine mm -hmm. so, so, so let's, he came back so let's review mm -hmm. this he's, is a story witness the this story is something that the younger townsfolk treat as some sort of town legend or old wives tale or superstition while palling around with 
and working with and hanging out with seemingly every minute of their lives with the son of one of the persons with one of the killer's victims. Yeah. I, I don't know. And, and the mayor just mentions it kind of offhandly. Oh, yeah. Axel. He's the son of one of, of Harry Warden's victims. It's I just I, I feel like there was just such a that was such a last minute. You know, well, well, we haven't figured out who the killer is. Should we really make it Harry Warden? Well, no, let's do some kind of crazy Friday the 13th esque twist on it. Where where it's not really it's this it's not really who you think it is. It's this other character. If you if you were to diagram this, if you were to make a diorama and plot it out oh, like that's... a game of Clue, th- this is impossible for him to be in all these places. Get this miner's outfit on and off and on and off at all this time. It just makes zero fucking sense. And usually my companion to that statement is, but it works. I don't know that it necessarily works no, for me. Not at all. Because they didn't also didn't do a good job with establishing the character. If they had made him more of a hero, the reveal would have been much more shocking. Yeah. Because, but yes. he just he comes off he comes off as, as just this aggressive this aggressive jerk from the minute he steps into the frame. I mean if and anything also just the, the... logically it's strange. Okay, so you're a little boy and you see your dad murdered mm-hmm. while you hide under the bed. You see your dad murdered by this killer. So your your response is to grow up and not go after the killer. But to kill everyone else. But well, you were clutching that, but... a paper heart, so that's the trigger. Once he sees the Valentine's decorations, which no one has put up in the 19 years since. <laughs> Not a conversation this... heart. Nothing. Yeah, he's never he's never left the town and seen a paper heart anywhere, <laughs> ever. No one has a television. He doesn't get the Charlie Brown Valentine's Day special oh, or anything yeah. like that. It's Canada, maybe. They don't even show it up there. <laughs> who, would, who would possibly understand that very localized program, Charlie Brown's Valentine? I mean, I mean, the reveal of it being Axel is not surprising, and yet it still manages to make zero sense. Because they're pointing at TJ and him the entire time, mm-hmm. or it's just Harry Warden. Yeah, I don't think I, I never got the impression with. that you were supposed to think that it was that it was TJ. I mean, I, I just figured TJ was supposed to be this really kind of anti-hero. I, I sort of expected him to save the day at the end. They cause this sort of micro mind collapse, and then all the townspeople show up to slowly undo the mind collapse. Uh-huh. A hand springs out, a la Carrie, and then everyone looks through the hole, and you see Axel in a completely open mind shaft. True. I mean, oh, unencumbered yeah, he's by right anything. There. And he's also, yeah, unencumbered by one of his arms because he has sawed it off. Yeah. Oh. I missed that. Yeah, he he saw. It's hard to see. It's very yeah. He he for some for some reason Sarah has a a last minute. Oh, I've got to see him. Yeah, even though (laughs) even though it has been revealed that he has killed all of her friends, Uh nearly killed her, but somehow she has a a last minute rush of sympathy and affection, and she just has to go see him. You know, presumably you know as he's taking his dying breaths, and so he grabs her her hand, but on the inside he is somehow sawing his own arm off and I, I I don't know how he is doing that and not making any noise or still managing to hold on to her arm with the other hand 
But then he right. just skitters away and does this little rhyme and 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 then you know, lets out this cackle. maniacal cackle at the end of the movie. Like he's a fucking Batman villain. Yes. It, it is quite a little monologue there at the end. And, and it doesn't and, even and, sound and like singing. him. Yeah. And then, and then my favorite part, we get a folk song about about Harry Warden over the end credits. <laughs> <laughs> that may be the first and only for a slasher movie is is just some guy strumming away at a guitar telling the legend of Harry Warden. <laughs> yeah, like it's the wreck of the 42 or whatever. It's <laughs> really odd. Um, so that brings us once again to choose your own death venture time. And we have a lot of options, although many of them are similar. Do you choose, if you had to choose a way to die, and it can only be one of these things, do you choose... A pickaxe to the chest, a pickaxe uh, to the body, and then your body placed in a dryer to be tumbled until you smell really bad. <laughs> Trapped in a mine collapse and then eaten. A pickaxe to the chin, your face boiled in hot dog water. Uh, impaled by a shower nozzle through the back of your head. Skewered in a sex sandwich by a massive drill. Nail gun to the head, uh, hung by a rope, and a pickaxe to the stomach. And I look to you, Becky Wilson, the woman I've chosen to spend the rest of my life with. <laughs> Which one of these massively crazy deaths would mm. you choose? Decisions, decisions. Oh, it's hard when there's more than three. There's yeah. so many. Okay. Well, a lot of them are pickaxe related. The, yes, there's a lot of pickaxe related death but maybe because it's valentine's day i'll just be a romantic and <laughs> die making love to my fella <laughs> with a child so you're taking me down with you <laughs> yeah yeah Let's, or are you are you I'd choosing rather, someone else to be in a sex sandwich there might with? be someone else i don't know well, the guy is the the guy <laughs> the guy with the really dreamy hair from that cbs show you forced me to oh, watch simon baker simon the baker mentalist? yeah <laughs> I don't. I don't blame you. He's I mean, too he has, short. He's way too short. He can wear heels. He can. When you're well, horizontal, it doesn't, it, doesn't it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, that's true. That drill will work either way. But I way. like that she is on top, so she doesn't know. You know, I'm I'm a bigger fan of the you don't know the death is coming. I see. And that way, she would just be enjoying herself, her dream come true of having sex in a mine, as we all have, and then boom. Okay. Dead. Valid. 100% valid. Okay, Gina Radcliffe, what do you choose? I'm going to have to say uh, pickaxe through the chin, because that's fucking badass. <laughs> it is pretty badass. You would have bragging rights if you yeah. were dead. Yeah, I mean, I'm not getting an open casket funeral, but, you know, I don't think most of the people in this movie are. Definitely not Madam Mabel. Plus, you'd be living that dream life of owning the cage for all that time. Yeah, and I'd be and I'd be happy. You know, he was pretty happy up until you know the the last minute. He was really, really thrilled with this prank he was going to play on these rotten kids. Yeah, it was it was the perfect thing. Um, yeah, this is tough, man. I have to tell you, there's a, a lot of crazy options, but you know, if Becky chooses a death by sex sandwich, I kind of have to go with it because I don't want to give that up to simon baker <laughs> I, I guess I, I mean my hair's not nearly as dreamy and i'm a good 
uh, half a foot taller, but you know, it'll work. Yeah, I, I'll go with sex education because that's. But you would know it was coming. I at would least for a little bit. I would, but it, it, what a way to go! There you go. Yeah, <laughs> and it's better than the spear in Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, because that's all tiny and, and uh, spindly and those people could have been around for a long time. And just think And just think of it this way. At your presumably double funeral, your your friends and family would just have hours of cracking jokes about the way you guys went. That's true. Now, as in typical sex sandwich lore, we are to be buried together still connected by that Ah, joke. there we go. Well, see, then we're saving everyone money at I know. funeral. That's like one plot. Funeral. Yeah. <laughs> No, you just—you don't even have to bury it any deeper. You just—it's skinnier. It, it all works out. I mean, the mine's out for the cost of the drill because there's no way you're getting that out of there. But what are you gonna do? Ah, uh, love. <laughs> uh, okie dokie, uh, Becky Wilson. Thank you so much for joining us for my bloody Valentine. Thank you, my love. Thank you for having me. Hey, where can people find you on the internet? Oh. I'm at the, <laughs> I don't know, where are we? At We Write Good. Patrick handles the social media. <laughs> We're at We Write Good and We Write Good.com. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Gina, where can people find you on the internet? I write about old television at tuneintonight.wordpress.com. Excellent. Hey, there's a couple ways to get in contact with us on Twitter at Kill by Kill Pond, uh, on Instagram at We Write Good. Uh, we do lots of cool stuff on Instagram. It's starting to build. And as always, if you write us a review stating what your favorite death is in the Friday the 13th series, I will read that on the air. And we're starting to get a couple of them. So this is really great. Please give us a review on iTunes. It helps us get out to more people and uh, spread the word of the Kill by Kill podcast we really want to do so next time we'll be back to our regularly scheduled program and until then bye bye everybody happy valentine's day Kill by Kills produced by We Write Good and is intended for entertainment purposes only. Friday the 13th is owned by Paramount Pictures. Jason is owned by New Line Cinema. No infringement is intended. Kill by Kill logo was designed by Josh Hollis. Visit him at joshhollis.com. The Kill by Kill theme was created exclusively for us by Revenge Body. Get the whole track and much, much more at revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com today.